Billy did such a good job with the children's sermon, summarizing the message that I was going to bring today. It crossed my mind, maybe we could just call it a day, quit early. <laughs> but not a chance. <laughs> if you'd open your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, you have a pew Bible if you should need a Bible. We have been working our way now for several months through the Gospel of Mark. And so we come now this week to Mark chapter 14, verses 53 through 65. Please give your attention to God's holy word. And, and they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent and made no answer. And again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? And you have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we look at this passage of Scripture, as our hearts are inflamed within us at the injustice directed toward our Lord Jesus, at the hatred and venom um, poured out on He who was completely righteous and without sin, rather than us becoming self-righteous I pray that you would help us to read this text with the humility that comes with the recognition that we are sinners and that it is only your grace and your grace alone that drew us to the Lord Jesus Christ that transformed us from being God-haters into lovers of God as being people who lived in this world um, loving this world and now by your grace we are children of God give us your wisdom as we read this passage help us to attend to it with the reverence that is deserving of this holy moment in history 
is our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed and murdered at the hands of wicked men. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I assume most of you have heard of the saying, a kangaroo court. A kangaroo court is a sham legal proceeding. Specifically, kangaroo court is used to describe judicial uh, proceedings that deny due process uh, and usually will deny due process and deny rights in the uh, name of expediency. So the outcome of a trial by kangaroo court is essentially determined in advance and usually uh, for the purpose of providing a conviction. This term kangaroo court comes from uh, the notion of justice proceeding in leaps uh, rather than in due process. And it's not an Australian term, but rather it was coined in America in the 1800s. But kangaroo courts have been around a lot longer than the 1800s. They have been around thousands of years before they were even so named kangaroo courts. And our Lord Jesus Christ, here in our text this morning, is appearing before a kangaroo court. And this really takes us right into the middle of our first point. If you want to follow along, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin. And so the first thing we see is the evil desperation of the high priest. And we see here that this is a kangaroo court. There's something here that you might not recognize or might not know if you're just reading the book of Mark. And that is that Jesus appeared in two different spots. In fact, if you read the uh, Gospel of John, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared before the former high priest, Annas, before he appeared before the entire court of the Sanhedrin and Caiaphas, who was the then acting high priest. So we read in John chapter 18, So the band of soldiers and their captain and officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. And it was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. And so in verse 19 in, in John chapter 18, it calls Annas the high priest, and it talks about him questioning Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. Now, if Annas is not the high priest, why would he be called, in John 18, uh, verse 19, why would he be called the high priest? Well, who is this, this Annas? Uh, he was the former high priest, but he still wielded uh, great power. In fact, he was the high priest from the year 7 to 14 A.D. So he, ran, he was the high priest for those seven or eight years. And he had five sons. And each of his five sons succeeded him as the high priest. So when he stepped aside in 14 uh, A.D., then one son became the high priest for four years. And then the next son after him then the next son after him, then the next son after him, the next son after him. And now, 
on this night in which Jesus has been betrayed and has been uh, hauled before the Sanhedrin, Annas is not the official serving high priest, but his son-in-law, Caiaphas, is now serving as the high priest. But it is evident that Annas is still calling the shots. And so they took Jesus, instead of to the Sanhedrin, instead of to Caiaphas, who was the then reigning high priest, they took him first to Annas. Why did they take him first to Annas? Well, the the reason they did this was so that they could trump up a charge against Jesus. Basically what was going to happen is because Annas is um, more experienced, he's calling the shots behind the scenes anyway, they send him to, they send Jesus to Annas because they need to file a charge, but they need to file, they can't just file any charge, it has to be a charge that the Roman authorities will feel comfortable with. It has to be uh, a charge that they can um, convict him as with the with the death penalty, but yet the, the Roman authorities have to be, um, as I said, comfortable as well. So they could have gone the route of blasphemy. And I think this is what the Sanhedrin really wanted. They wanted to charge Jesus with with blasphemy. They wanted to say he's a heretic. And for religious reason, reasons, for theological reasons, he absolutely needs to be put to death. But... The um, the Roman authorities, Pilate and and uh, his advisors, may think that that's not a worthy cause, and so they also are beginning to look at insurrection, sedition. Maybe if they can throw those charges in there as well, then that will appeal to Pilate, because Pilate uh, would want um, to do things in keeping with Rome's best interest. And if Jesus is fomenting sedition or insurrection against the Roman authorities, or if he's causing unrest within uh, Judah, within the within Israel, then that also might be might hold more sway with Pilate. So they send Jesus to Annas. And basically what we find is Jesus does not cooperate. In fact, uh, in this is going back to John's Gospel. The high priest, in verse 19, questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. And Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly, openly to the world. I have said not, or I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. So why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. So Jesus is um, is answering. Basically, I'm not going to answer. I've already spoken openly. Uh, why are you asking me now? And then when he said these things, uh, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand and he said, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong, but what I said was right, why do you strike me? And it was then that he sent um, Jesus bound over to Caiaphas. So Jesus is not cooperating with Annas. Um, 
And I think it was right that he was not cooperating. And he rebukes him. He says, I've already spoken openly. I've spoken publicly many times. I've spoken in the synagogue. I've spoken in the temple. Ask those who heard me teach. And they will uh, tell you. And that's all Jesus said. He had no obligation to testify against himself. In fact, uh, the charges had not yet been filed against him. They were still looking for the charge that they were going to bring. And as I read, the, the officer who was standing by Jesus, one of the guards, struck Jesus. Jesus held his composure. And this, I submit to you, for us, would have been very difficult to do. The entire proceedings were unjust. Jesus was being arraigned. And what this means is he was being brought to the court to answer charges. The problem is, and this is why it's a kangaroo court, no charges have been brought. Jesus can't be indicted um, because no charges had been formally or specifically spelled out. So basically what they're doing is they're saying, Jesus, and they're not saying this to him, but this is, they arrested Jesus so that they could then make up some charges against him. But you must be charged and able to answer the charges. So can you see why it's a kangaroo court? They're skipping ahead. And they are trying to make up a charge for which they've already arrested him. And that is unjust. Well, Annas was unable to uh, determine a suitable call, uh, a suitable charge. But no worries. The outcome had already been predetermined. So he bound Jesus. He sent him over to Caiaphas. And uh, also, one thing that's not readily... Um, uh, readily... Uh, I'm trying to think of the word... You don't see it clearly, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, was that Annas, in, in wielding his power, he lived next door to his son-in-law Caiaphas so that he would be able to keep his thumb on his son-in-law. And it basically shows that Caiaphas was really a puppet in terms of a high priest doing what Annas had, had, um, was requiring him to do. So Caiaphas lived next door to Annas. They had, uh, they shared a common courtyard. In, God, in John's Gospel, it says that John was known to the high priest Caiaphas, so he was able to gain entry for he and Peter. And so they are in this courtyard warming themselves by the fire. And they found Jesus. They took him through the courtyard over to uh, Caiaphas' house where the Sanhedrin had already gathered. Well, what is the Sanhedrin? Uh, it is um, in your text in verse 55 when it, call, when it talks about the whole council. Well, it's talking about the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin consisted of 71 members. And in Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin was basically the Supreme Court for the entire nation. Why 71? Well, it was because of, um, it was based on the 70 elders that were appointed to assist Moses plus Moses, 70 elders plus Moses, 71. 
uh, in Jesus' day, it consisted of the 24 chief priests uh, from the 24 priestly divisions from 1 Chronicles 24, verse 4. We actually looked at the, the 24 priestly divisions in our study of Revelation in Sunday school. Remember the 24 elders? So they had 24 chief priests from the 24 priestly divisions plus 46 elders plus the high priest equaled 71. Also, this Sanhedrin held to the biblical uh, rules of justice that were laid out by Moses, specifically in the book of Leviticus. So this court, this Sanhedrin, was to be governed by the rules of evidence and principles of impartiality. Two credible witnesses were required before any um, evidence could be entered into the record. The accused was entitled to a defense. Um, They also were entitled to the right to call witnesses uh, for themselves. Uh, A witness, if a witness was found to be lying, then the punishment that was due to the one who was being accused and uh, against whom the witness was lying about, that witness would be under the same penalty that the accused would have been under. So any of these lying witnesses, because Jesus was being brought up on a death penalty charge, they would have been liable for the death penalty themselves for their lying. I guarantee you, none of those who did lie received the death penalty. In fact, you get the sense that they were bribed to come and bring this false testimony. Uh, Also, before a death sentence can be carried out, the the Sanhedrin, if they pronounce a death sentence, they were required to undergo a full day of fasting. And then all the council members, after that full day of fasting, they would come back together and they were given the opportunity to see if they had changed their minds after the fasting. And, of course, Jesus did not have this because he was hung on a cross only uh, simply several hours after he was uh, found guilty. People of questionable character were not allowed to testify, but it says specifically in the text that these were people of questionable uh, character. Also, trials were not to be convened at night, and that if there was a trial going during the day that had not ended, they were required to recess at nightfall. But this trial is taking place after midnight. Now the question arises, how were they able to gather 71 people for a trial after midnight? Well, the answer is easy. They had everything planned in advance. How were they able to find these witnesses? Well, they had it all planned out in advance. When Jesus or when Judas went to the chief priest, they paid him, they made their plan, and they had everything already in order, including the verdict. And so we see here um, also there was a slew of inconsistent witnesses in verses 55 through 59. 
in verse 55, it says, They led Jesus to the high priest, all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Peter had uh, followed him. The, I'm sorry, I, was, I looked at that wrong. I was supposed to be reading 55, I was reading 53. Now the chief priest and the whole council, verse 55, were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. First of all, they were seeking false witnesses, and they found none. Also, verse 56, when all these people that came and testified, their their lies did not mesh together, as lies often uh, don't have that ring of truth uh, when they are told. Well, these their testimony did not agree. Finally, however, in verses 57 and 58, they found two people, and it really wasn't in agreement, but it was close enough. It could be manipulated, it could be massaged, and they could say, well, finally we found two witnesses. So in verses um, 57 and 58, and some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet, even about their testimony, uh, or even about this, their testimony did not agree. So, they found these two uh, people, and like I said, it was close enough. In fact, as you read Matthew, and you read Luke, and you read John, you find that these testimonies are a little different than they're stated here in Matthew. Basically, what they found in these two witnesses was they saw a little hint of sedition because Jesus is advocating in their minds the overthrow of the Jewish religion because he's going to replace the existing temple with another temple. And also they note a a sentiment of, in their minds, blasphemy because Jesus says, I'm going to rebuild this temple uh, without hands. In other words, I'm going to do it miraculously. And well, only God can do miracles. And so this has to be blasphemy. And like I said, their testimony did not agree, but it was close enough. Finally, in verse 64, I'm skipping down a bit, uh, they do convict him. You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving of death. And then look at how they treated him in verse 65. After they found him uh, deserving of death, they began to spit on him. They covered his face and began to strike him, saying, Prophesy, and the guards received him with blows. In Luke chapter 22, the... um, the text says, Now when they were holding Jesus in custody, uh, they were mocking him as they beat him. They blindfolded him and they kept asking him, Prophesy, who is that who struck you? And the, the sense from the Greek is, they continually, they repeatedly beat him in the head and around the face. And then they would mock him, Prophesy, tell us, which one of us hit you that time? And then it says, they said many other things against him, blaspheming him, Luke says. It's interesting. They have found Jesus guilty of blasphemy. 
Luke says that those who were beating him, those who were mocking him, those were the ones who were really guilty of blasphemy. For they were striking not simply a human being. They were striking the Lord of glory in their hatred for him. This whole proceeding was shameful. You don't hear any word of caution from any of the 72 or the 71 Sanhedrin. There's no pleas for mercy. Jesus was railroaded. A complete miscarriage of justice. In fact, in reading the Jewish commentators, the Jewish apologists, they say that this absolutely could not have happened. That this whole story is made up. You know what their reason? The reason these Jewish apologists say is that this trial broke every rule of justice. And their courts just could not have been that unjust. And so that's the reason for saying this didn't happen. Yes, it did break every rule of justice. And yes, it did happen. Next, and we're going to be quick as we look at verses 61 and 62. This is the uh, second and last point. We're going to see the regal resolve of our Savior. First of all, we see that he remains silent in the face of attack. Verse 61, Jesus remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? As these men are getting up and they are testifying against Jesus, and their testimony is obviously false because it doesn't mesh together, it doesn't uh, cohere, Jesus does not dignify these uh, lies of the false witnesses uh, with an answer. I would submit to you, however, he's not pleading fifth. But rather, he knew that the fix was in, and his silence was their incrimination. Remember Isaiah chapter 53? We read it as part of the call to worship. Isaiah 53 verse 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. His silence was his incrimination of their guilt. And so he remained silent in the face of attack. But then finally, he spoke truthfully in the face of threats. In frustration, remember he's been moved from from Annas' house over to Caiaphas, and Caiaphas now is questioning him. And you can almost hear Caiaphas scream at him. And Matthew, uh, the the Gospel of Matthew, adds a little phrase that's not in Mark. Uh, Caiaphas says, I command you. By the living God, tell me, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Well, Jesus had said very clearly, John chapter 5, John chapter 9, John chapter 4, with the woman at the well, that he indeed was the Messiah. And they had that record. They knew he had made those claims. In fact, they had tried to stone him for making those claims earlier in his ministry. 
And at this point, the Lord Jesus answers truthfully. He says, I am using the divine name. And then he quotes from Daniel chapter 7, essentially saying, I am the Messiah. This phrase, the Son of Man, is not to conceal his identity, but it is to identify him with the Messianic king that Israel was looking for from Daniel chapter 7. And so the, what did the high priest do at this? The high priest tore his clothes. And this tearing of clothes in the ancient Mideast was uh, a, to, to signify your outrage, to signify your utter shock. The funny thing is, is the high priest was actually forbidden. In Leviticus chapter 21 verse 10, he was forbidden from ripping and tearing his clothes in anguish. And so in accusing Jesus of blasphemy, he is actually the one who is committing the sacrilege. And I don't think he's really outraged. In fact, there's no concern for the holiness of God. It's all theatrics. I think the high priest, I think Caiaphas is probably overjoyed that he finally was able to get something that he could work with. And so he says in verse 63, after he tore his garments, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? They ignored all of the miracles of Jesus that he had done for three years. They ignored the fact that only just a few days earlier he had raised Lazarus from the dead. In their hatred for Christ, they discounted all the facts. This trial was not for the purpose of justice. It was for the purpose of putting Jesus to death. This trial amounted to the murder of Jesus. And so two quick points to conclude, two quick applications. The first is the same injustice that lived in their hearts also is present in our hearts. Kangaroo courts have always existed because human beings are sinners. It is surprisingly easy to subvert justice when our self-interest is at stake. How many Christians cheat on their taxes? How many Christians tear down others in order to protect themselves? How many Christians are willing to indict God to justify themselves? Remember, Adam, that woman you gave me, she gave me that fruit and I ate. How many times have we said uh, similar uh, things to, to justify ourselves? Justice is the foundation of our society. And injustice is running amok in our society. Rather than screaming and bellyaching about the injustice that is out in our society, and yes, we should call injustice injustice, we should not shrink back from speaking out loudly, speaking out forcefully to our culture and to our society where there is injustice. But at the very same time, apply the justice to yourself. When you sin, 
apply it to yourself. The glorious thing about God is He loves justice. Even when that justice is we ourselves confessing our sins before Him and saying, God, I have been unjust. And then the second application. You know, everything went exactly to plan. Annas, Caiaphas, the Sanhedrin, they had planned everything out. They had planned out the verdict. Everything went according to their plan. But Scripture teaches us that before the world began, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 20, Jesus Christ was chosen as the Lamb of God before the world began. In other words, God planned out everything. God planned out that awful night. God planned out that conclusion even before He created the world. And everything went according to His plan. Because gloriously, our Lord Jesus Christ walked through that injustice. He he sat there while He was accused falsely in order that He might be our faithful High Priest. That He might be our Lamb of God that He might be our substitute for our sin that He might be that suffering servant who did not open His mouth when He was accused but went willingly to that awful that terrible cross so that He could stand up under the full weight of the justice of God in our place in order that we might have fellowship with God. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ submitted to this awful, this sham of a proceeding. He submitted to it. He submitted to every blow by the guards because He loved His people. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we worship you that you were willing to be murdered in our behalf, that you were willing to stand up under that awful injustice at the hands of wicked men in order that you might be the substitute for our sin. We thank you not only that you have provided justification through your blood, but you have also provided transformation or sanctification by the power of your Holy Spirit. The only reason that we have the justice that we have in our own hearts is because you drew us to Christ and you helped us to learn that He alone is the just one and that He came and suffered injustice for us and now we love Him whereas we only loved ourselves God we praise You Jesus we praise You Holy Spirit we praise You renew our hearts for Your service we pray in Jesus name Amen.